Jesus ain't alive one time a year. Jesus, he ain't just alive the fact that he came back from the dead here on this earth. Jesus is actively sitting at the right hand of God the Father, forever interceding and praying for us right now. My God, I'm thankful for Jesus. Are you thankful for Jesus? Say amen. See, last week I preached that everything has changed. Everything has changed in the natural. I want you to know that everything has changed in the natural. You're not going to be able to do church the way you used to do church. You're not going to be able to look at your job. You're not going to look at your job the way you used to look at your job. Now you're going to be thankful for the job you have. Huh? You might, you might used to curse that job and hate it, but I'm going to tell you, the first day you're getting ready to go to work, you're going to be giving God praise for a job that you used to talk bad about. Huh? You're going to look at your boss different. You're going to look at your coworkers different. Not just because of the economy, but as a believer, you're going, to re- you're going to realize and appreciate that every life is precious, even the people that you don't like. Oh, I wish I had a shout section. Huh? Glory to God. Glory to God. Everything's changed in the natural. And I got news for you, more change is coming. Now, I ain't going to get real political on you right now, and I'm not going to get real deep on you right now, but you better know this. There are forces working behind the scenes to take away freedoms that our country and other countries have, that the church has, and you better know that's going on. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm willing to be arrested if I have to be. But I'm going to tell you one thing that I will stand, I will stand firm on and be arrested and drug out of here on is this. The day you tell me that I can't preach that Jesus Christ is the only way, the day you tell me that I got to say that Jesus might be alive, but he might not be alive, is the day you can put me in shackles. Because I got news for you. As long as I'm breathing, I'm going to preach what Jesus said. He is the way. He is the truth. He is alive. And no man can come to the Father but by him. Tag me, flag me, whatever you want to do. Take me to jail, but I'm going to preach the gospel. But you better know there are forces at work to try to suck the life out of this country. And more importantly than anything, ultimately the goal is to suck the power and the authority out of the church. But the power and the authority of the church is not based on the power and the authority of a government. Oh, wait a minute. I just said that wrong. It is based on the power and the authority of a government, just not this one. Are you hearing me? It is not based on the authority of a king or a president or a governor or a mayor. And we thank God for all of them. We pray and lift them up. We can't imagine the pressure that they're under. And we are submitting ourselves to those authority. But ultimately, we have come to the kingdom, capital K, for such a time as this. And today we celebrate the king of that kingdom. I'm ultimately responsible to that kingdom. My God, are y'all hearing me? But y'all, y'all ain't getting offended because I ain't looking at y'all too much, right? Come on, y'all my amen corner, but they're, they're out there. Get out of my church. I don't, you, you excommunicate him right now. Just kidding, just kidding. I got to talk to the thousands that are watching right now. Come on, are you hearing me? Last week, by, by the time I crashed in my chair on a Sunday night, I looked down at the video from last week, and it was 1,900 views. Come on, somebody. Before I went to bed on a Sunday night, 
Now, I don't know how long they was on there. They might have been on there 30 seconds. They might have been on there three minutes or the whole time. But all it takes is five seconds. Just stop in the glory of God. Sometimes all people need to hear is Jesus. I'm trying to preach. Everything's changed in the natural. But I want to tell you, this day that we celebrate, that's on your calendar every year, that the church calls the Super Bowl of church services, is the day that everything in the natural and in the spiritual changed. I'm telling you, the resurrection changed everything. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus is God. But Jesus is also and walked here on this earth in flesh. He wasn't, he didn't walk in flesh until he became a baby in a virgin. A virgin woman, Mary, was born of a virgin and lived his life sinless. The Bible said he knew no sin. He became sin. He knew no sin. Now let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus opened blinded eyes. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus healed lepers. Jesus healed cripples. Are you hearing me out there, church? But let me tell you something that you might not think about too much. That's not something that had not already been done. Prophets in the Old Testament had raised the dead. Prophets in the Old Testament had seen blinded eyes open. Prophets in the Old Testament had seen leprosy healed. Prophets in the Old Testament had, had seen things like entire seas and rivers roll back and they walked across on dry land. Jesus did everything here on this earth when he walked this earth, sinless but as a man who happened to be God, not as God who happened to be man. Everything he did, he would do it. He would show us the proper way to do it. Why would he show us the proper way to do it? Because his life was a living, breathing example of what he wanted us to follow and act out after the full mission for him coming was accomplished. He would say, you see what I just done? I don't want you to be freaked out about it. You're going to do the same thing and greater shall you do. Not greater than him, but on a greater mass level. If I go to my father. In other words, he says, the big plan, the big picture, it can't happen. You don't get it now. The disciples didn't get it, but he was trying to say, I know what's coming. I came with an understanding of what I had to do. And all of this is great, but the reason I'm here is so that I can suffer and live and understand what it feels like to be in that body that you're in but to, and to be in relationships and to pour into my disciples so that they could be prepared to carry it away. But ultimately, it will all be moot, and ultimately, it will all just be another story that somebody might tell one day unless I go to my father. They didn't understand that. What do you mean go to your father? You're talking about by that time his father Joseph was dead in the natural that they knew him as son of Joseph. What he was trying to say is in order for this to truly be carried out I've got to leave this place 
and I've got to go back to where I came from. But I can't go back there in the form that I'm in. Are you hearing me? Because flesh, oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Jesus knew he had to be in his glorified form. He already was glorified because of who he is. He's God. But he knew that something was going to happen. Let me just spell it out to you. He knew that he was going to have to die. He knew the first step of going to his father was death. But he knew that that was not the end. He knew he was going to come back from the dead because ain't no grave. Come on, y'all like that song? Ain't no grave going to hold that body down. Come on. I thought we sing about our body one day, but ain't no grave. If ain't no grave can hold our body down when the last trump said, you better know ain't no grave can hold the body of Jesus down. He knew that was a part of going to his father. He had to die. He had to die. Because one of the man wants to die. He had to die. He had to show them that he was dead. Why three days? There's all kinds of debate about three days. But he had, his body had to lay there in a place of death at least long enough for the people of that culture to understand there's no chance of him coming out of a coma. There's no chance that we mistakenly diagnosed him. Three days, he's dead. They said in the fourth day when Lazarus was dead, before Jesus raised him from the dead, that his body had already begun to stink. So three days is enough time for people to think in the natural, it's over. I I did a Facebook video yesterday on a Saturday. People talk about Good Friday. They talk about Resurrection Sunday. They talk about the other days of the week and what went on. Many people don't talk about Saturday. But Saturday is known as Silent Saturday. It is known as a time where God is not speaking. Jesus is not speaking. It appears that everything has been sealed with a tomb. The only thing we know is that people are afraid in Jerusalem. They're fearing for their life. They're mourning. They're thinking if if the Romans were able to kill him and shut him up, what are they going to do to me and my family? Nothing was happening. Nothing was moving. It seemed like they were all, get this, locked in their houses and afraid. But on Silent Saturday, you better know, a lot was going on. Now, I'm going to get in some heavy scripture. And I want you to know that from the moment that Jesus went to the cross on Good Friday, the moment they raised him up, remember what Jesus said? If I be lifted up, I'll draw them in unto me. And preachers have preached for years that I'm not coming against you because I understand the premise. If we lift him up in praise, he'll draw people to him. But that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus meant you don't understand it, but one day they're going to take me up on a high mountain and they're going to lift me up on a cross. And when they lift me up on that cross, and when all of Jerusalem looks up at Mount Calvary and they see Golgotha and they see that cross hanging up there, they're not going to know what's going on. But he said just like they lifted the serpent in the wilderness and every Everyone that was attacked by the plague looked at, attacked by the snake bite, looked at the snake and they were healed. They said, that's why the Bible says, he that knew no sin became sin. And when he was hanging on that cross, the sins of the entire world came upon a man who had never sinned. And when we look at the cross, the cross is what draws people to the Lord. That's why he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw them in unto me. The cross, the cross where I first saw the light. And the burdens of, come on, y'all ain't hearing me, were rolled away. Let me tell you something powerful about the cross. The cross, something happened. 
Look at Matthew 27, verse 50. Now, I'm going to put a bunch of scripture in the next few minutes, and I hopefully I'm just not going to be talking for a long time today, and we're going to believe God some people are going to be born again today. We're going to believe God people's going to be healed today. We're going to believe God people's coming out of darkness and coming out of death, and their lives are going to be resurrected today. But you got to understand, he said, these things shall you do. And greater things shall you do if I go to my Father. Let me, let me rephrase that in 2020 lingo. When I go to my Father, everything changes. When I go to my Father, every limit that you've had put on you and you've put on yourself will be taken away. The access that you have to God will be on another level. Watch this, but the first step, remember, to go into his Father is he had to die. But I want to show you the power of what happened when he said it is finished. Oh, my God. Matthew 27. This is at the point of death. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. This is right when he says it is finished. Say that with me. It is finished. What was finished? The old covenant was finished. What was finished? The no access to God, having to go to a man, and then the man have to go to God on your behalf. He says, you don't need a priest anymore to go on your behalf. Now I'm your priest. Just come to me. You want to know? You want to know how I know that he took away the limit but of you getting to God through a priest? Watch what happened. This is right after he said it is finished. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He died. Now watch at the moment that the flesh man died. Next verse. Then. Everybody say then. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. Then, behold, it was at that moment, oh, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus, let me tell you, you got to get a picture of that. You got to get a picture of that. This veil, I don't know if you can scan that camera to show the top of this veil. Just try to do it. Just show how high this veil is in comparison to me. I don't know if it's going to make a good video or not, but show me and then show all the way up to the ceiling how high this veil is and then bring it back down to me. I want the people to know that as high as this veil is, it ain't nowhere near as high as the veil that separated the inner court from the Holy of Holies. It was twice as thick as this curtain, and that's a thick curtain. It was two curtains where the priest had to stand in between two of them and wait to where no natural light could penetrate. And let me tell you something. Nobody had scissors back then. They might have had a sword or something. But even with a sword, they could only get up so high. But it's a different. It would have been one thing if it said, at that moment, the veil was ripped from bottom to top. I could see two radical Christians coming in and saying, we don't need this thing anymore. Let's make it look like something happened. And they take a sword and they rip it, and somebody gets on one end, somebody gets on the other end, and they pull it apart and rips it apart. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says, then, when Jesus cried out with a loud voice and gave up his spirit, the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. No, the only one that had access to get to the top was the Father God. I believe God leaned out over heaven, grabbed it with his hands, and ripped it 
from top to bottom. Can you imagine what the priests and the Levites in the temple were thinking when they looked up and saw, they didn't see the hands, it was invisible. But all of a sudden, wait a minute, it don't just stop there. It says the earth is shaking. The earthquake happened. The rocks were split. And the veils ripped from top to bottom. Woo! Whole lot of shaking going on. Oh, and by the way, oh my God, y'all can't handle what I'm about to say. If y'all can handle it, go ahead and say, go ahead, preacher. It's, all, it's not by chance. Mm. It's not by chance that when Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the end time revival where everything can be that can be shaken will be shaken. Oh, go back and read it. It says he didn't just shake the heavens and the earth, but yet once more. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Why? In other words, I believe he's referring to this shaking. At the beginning of the new covenant dispensation, there's going to be another shaking at the end of that dispensation before the judgment of God comes in yet once more. And the veil was ripped back then, but now we got a veil of religion that needs to be ripped. But that's the difference between the veil of religion. It's not ripped from the top down. It's ripped from the bottom up. We got to rip that one. Well, don't, instead of being afraid that a shaking is going on, understand that the shaking has a purpose. This world is being shook to the core because Hebrews chapter 12 goes on and says, Yet once more well, shall I not shake heaven only, but I also shake heaven and earth. And it says the shaking has a purpose so that everything that can be shaken will be shaken until that which cannot be shaken shall remain. But here's the powerful thing. It's 11-11 if you're taking medicine. That when the rocks were split and the veil was ripped, the graves were open. People are scared to preach about this. The graves were open. I'm just reading the Bible. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the grave after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So the tombs at the earthquake were shaken. Resurrection power was so powerful that it didn't just raise Jesus from the dead. It raised, it raised other people in the Old Testament from the dead, and they walked around in Jerusalem. Tell me this was just some little event. This, this changed everything. I said this changed everything. Oh, there's a lot of religions in the world. And here's the one thing that all of them have in common, including Christianity. Every religion in the world, that's, that's some of the ancient religions that are still celebrated, all have one thing in common, and so does Christianity. Their leaders and their founders all died. Every one of them, they all died. But there's one that's separate from all the others. There's only one that the leader didn't stay dead. Come on, y'all hear me. I mean no disrespect to you, 
But even in your own holy writings, Muhammad didn't come back from the dead. Even in your holy writings, Fat Buddha didn't come back from the dead. Oh, I guess that was disrespectful. Sorry, I won't call him Fat Buddha. Although he does need to go on a diet. Praise God, I'm not one to talk. But Buddha didn't come back from the dead. But Jesus, the reason Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man gets to God the Father except through me because he knew what was coming. It may feel like Friday night. Oh, when death and destruction and blood and guts and things are taken away. It may feel like Silent Saturday when you're crying out to God and you're wondering, God, why haven't you done what you said you was going to do? You've abandoned us. You've forsaken us. Where are you, God, in the middle of this pandemic? Where are you, God, with the hospital workers? Why can't you keep me working? Why can't you take care of my kids and this and that and this and that? may feel like Friday night. may feel like Silent Saturday. But Sunday's on the way. Luke 24, verse 1. So that's just, that, that was just the crucifixion. That was just what happened when he said it is finished. The veil was ripped. The rocks were split. The earth shook. Tombs were open. You know what I love? I got to go back to that. What I love about this, the graves were open. And many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and come out. So the graves were open. It, it implies that these tombs were shaken through the earthquake and opened. And the bodies either came back from the dead then or laid there with an open tomb until the resurrection. Can you imagine the people that were coming to put flowers on the, on the outside of a tomb of Grandpa and they open and they get there and Grandpa's tomb is open and there is either Grandpa standing in there saying, I can't come out yet, but more than likely still laying in there and still wondering why in the world is Grandpa's grave open and they don't even know that in a couple of days Grandpa's about to walk out. That's, that's wild, y'all. That's wild. That was just Friday. Now, on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb of Jesus, bringing spices which they had prepared because they expected his body to be stinking. But when they got there, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Hey! And they went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about that, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. These were angels. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, because how many knows every time you see an angel, every time you see an angel, what happens? What do they say? Fear not. So they looked away, they was afraid, bowed their heads to the earth, and listened what the angel said. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Oh, that's... Oh, I love it. I love it. Mm. I, I mean no disrespect here. Here's how some, everything needs to change. Some people have sought the living at some churches 
praise God, but didn't find nothing but dead and dry bones, praise God. How about we, when we get back to worshiping together, that we, the, those dead, dry bones live? How about when people come that we can say, hey, come on, why are you seeking the dead among the living? I know we used to be doubly plucked up from the root and dry as cracker juice, but hey, God gave us another shot, gave us another, another chance to worship him. We're going to invite the Holy Ghost back. Some of you Pentecostal preachers, you need to invite the Holy Ghost back in your church services. Some of you that say you believe in miracles, you need to start praying for people again. That's the power of the resurrection. I'm preaching better than the folks in here shouting. I don't know about y'all at home. They need to turn up their shouting here. Thank you. He is not here. It'd be one thing for the angels to say, he is not here. They'd have said, well, duh, we know that. Well, where is he? It doesn't matter. He is risen. Somebody say the resurrection changed everything. Let me tell you what else it changed. It changed the way people of the Christian faith view death. Are y'all hearing me? Let me tell you something. While I'm getting ready this morning, I got a text from my cousin that my aunt had passed away this morning. An aunt that I love dearly. I played at their house my whole childhood. That her kids either spent the night with me or I spent the night with them. Most of my childhood was, was walking the creek in my Uncle Alfred and Aunt Alice's home, climbing, playing army there. And Alice took care of me, always was kind, mighty woman of God my entire life. I've never knew her anything but being a woman of God. Watched her and her family sing all across this country. But this morning, I got the text that she breathed her last breath around 4 or 5 o'clock this morning. But you know how my cousin told me? Cuz, something like this, cuz, I love you. I just want to let you know, Mama just slipped over into glory tonight. She has not suffered anymore. She's singing and praising God in heaven with our Lord and Savior now. See, Jesus changed the way we look at death. Are you hearing me? Jesus gave us hope that the same power Paul said that raised him from the dead shall raise our mortal bodies as well. What Jesus did on silent Saturday when he went and emptied out paradise and took paradise to heaven with him, knowing that my, my Aunt Alice is there, knowing that my, my granddad is there, knowing my grandma's there, knowing that there's so many other family members that I've lost are there. I could only have that hope because of what Jesus did. Can I get an amen? Somebody say, he is not here. He is risen. See, Paul said, to be absent with the body is what? To be present with the Lord. So when my Aunt Alice breathed her last breath, and my cousins and my uncle and all those that were there was weeping and crying, I know them. I know them. They were calling on God. And they were giving God praise for the testimony of the mighty woman of God. She was because she's now with a resurrected Savior. We just believe that here. Do you hear me? We just believe it. 
We don't care if you think we're crazy. Do you understand me? A man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man with an experience. We've witnessed the, the smile and the joy upon the faces of those that left knowing. I've preached funerals, so many funerals, I don't know how many I've preached. Well, when I would walk into the funeral home or walk into the service of the funeral or the memorial, praying, God, how in the world am I going to encourage them through this horrible tragedy, unexpected death or even expected death? But most, most of the time I pray that when it's a tragic death. How, God? But I'm telling you, it all feels different when I know I'm going to minister to a family that loves God. It's always different when I know, listen, don't take this the wrong way, but it, it's just different when I know the family knew that their hearts, this loved one was with God because I know it's still tough and I know it's still going to be hard and I know I still have to be the pastor to it, but I know many times that this has happened. Many times it is the husband, it is the wife, it is the child, it is the parent, it is the, the cousin, the friend that encourages me that comes to me and says, Pastor, thank you for being here, but I want you to know I've got a peace. I don't know how i got a peace, but I've got a peace because there's a peace of knowing when you know that your loved one is with the Lord. So how about this before we go any further? How about you make sure that if something was to happen to you, and praise God, I hope nothing happens to you. You live a long and prosperous life. But don't you want to go to bed knowing tonight that if something was to happen to you, that your family would not be in torment. Your family would not be in tears. Your family would not be devastated thinking, where is he? Where is she? Don't you want your mama, your daddy, your son or your daughter to be able to say, listen, I wish I could bring them back, but I know where they are. You're going to have to make sure your heart is right with God. You might want to just say right now, Jesus, Jesus, forgive me of my sins right now. Oh, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Come into my heart and save me and give me a peace of knowing that my heart is right with God. Oh, I'm not through preaching, but I felt like God stopped me for somebody right now. God stopped me. You was getting ready to scroll on, but the Holy Spirit grabbed your heart. If that's you while I'm still preaching, you just let us know. You just let us know that you just gave your heart to God. Let us know in the comment section. Thank you, Jesus. I just gave my heart to you. I just got saved. I just was born again. Or maybe, maybe you've walked away from God and you came home today. Let us know. Is anybody feeling the Holy Ghost in here? Does anybody feel a God that is alive? Everything changed. It changed the way we look at death. It changed everything. See, we know what happened on the cross. We know what happened when the stone was rolled away. But how about this? When Jesus, and, and I'm skipping over my scripture, so, so look at this. I'm coming back to those others, but I want to go to John 20. Sorry, back there on the computer. John 20 is, is the passage of when, he come, when, when, they're, when they're leaving the tomb. And they walk, Mary's walking out, and she walks right, right by this man that she doesn't recognize. 
She, maybe it's because she's weeping. Maybe it's because her hand is down. Maybe because she's trembling. Maybe it's because she's pondering what those two men said. He's, he's risen. Risen? What do you mean, risen? Where is he? If he's not here, risen, where did he go? Is he with his father now? He told us he had to go to his father. Where is he? She passes by this guy, and I can see if it, probably shalom, shalom, just, just a greeting. Jesus is wanting her to recognize him. It's Jesus. She looks at him and thinks he is the gardener, the caretaker of the tomb, and walks right past him until Jesus turns around and says, Mary. She knows the voice. She turns around. She looks into his eyes, and now she sees it's him. Oh, my goodness, it's him. It's Jesus. She runs to him, ready to grab a hold of him and cling to him. Listen to what John 20, 17 says. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Listen, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Woo! What was happening? I want you to know that the reason that she didn't recognize him, one of the reasons, was because Jesus, when he came out of that tomb, he came out of that tomb, he went in as a sinless, spotless man, son of Joseph, son of a carpenter, carpenter by trade. But when he walked out of that tomb, he walked out as the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, according to Hebrews. He became our priest. He didn't do away with the need of a priest. He became our priest. He didn't do away with the need for the priest to take the blood into the altar. He became the lamb. He shed his own blood. You know what happened right then? You don't know why? She said, he said, don't touch me. It's because he was in the order of the priest, the high priest at Passover. He was, the high priest could not be touched even by his own spouse and his own family. He had to go in untouched by human hands until he came out of being in front of the mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant. So when he said, don't touch me, it wasn't anything against who she was. It was against the fact no one can touch me till I do what I'm about to do. So sometime during the journey of marriage, from the tomb to the disciples when she goes to tell the disciples that he's risen. Jesus does something significant. You may have never heard this preached before. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11. But Jesus came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle in heaven, not made with hands, that one was made with hands here on this earth. That is not of this creation. Not with the blood of bulls, of goats and calves, which happened in that holy of holies, in Solomon's temple, in Herod's temple, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. See? Between the time he said, don't touch me, and, be and between the time she heard that and went to the disciples, Jesus in white linen with a white turban, dressed as the high priest, went to his father, went to heaven, 
walked into the altar that is in heaven, into the tabernacle that is built, not made with hands, in heaven. The one that the one on earth was modeled after. And when he walked in, he took his own blood. He put his own blood on the mercy seat of heaven. Oh, and there's no sin in heaven. There's no curse in heaven. So blood does not decay. Blood does not die. Everything is eternal. So he knew that when he applied the blood at the east side of the altar in the temple of heaven, he knew that when we get there one day, one day we'll be able to see it. It's going to be as fresh as it was the day it was put there because there is no curse. Oh, and when he shed his own blood and he went in as his own, our own priest and took his blood to the altar and placed it on there, he came back. And he walked through the door of the room where the disciples were. And he said, I'm back. He changed everything. See, we have undercut those three days. We have turned them into really two events. The cross and the empty tomb. But the cross was the beginning of it all. The cross was the beginning. When he said it is finished, it didn't mean he was finished working. It just meant the old covenant had done his part. Now he was about to show you what all the old covenant was really pointing towards. During those three days while his body lay there, he emptied paradise. He preached to the Old Testament saints. Above him the, the graves were emptied and opened. Down in the earth, he went into hell. The Bible said he cooked, kicked the gates down and he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Can I tell you something? I got a set of keys in my pocket. And on these set of keys here, there is a house key that is set for my house, not your house, my house. I have the keys to my house. But guess what? If I didn't have those keys and I invited you to come over to my house and you showed up at my house and I said, we're going to eat steak tonight inside my house. I want you to come and let me feed you steak. Well, guess what? We all show up at the house. We're standing outside the house. And I say, well, here's my house. What do you think about my house? It's a pretty house, ain't it? Everybody says, yeah, pretty house, nice house. Well, can we go in the house because I'm hungry? Well, the problem is I'd love to go in the house. I, I, my name's on the mailbox. My name is on the mail that comes in. But the problem is I don't have keys to my house. I got to wait till my wife gets home because she's got the keys to my house and she'll let me in and then we can all go in. How many knows if you're standing there looking at me, you're going, you ain't no kind of man. What kind of man won't have a, has a house and his wife don't even think enough of him to give him keys to his own house? Can I tell you something? Some of y'all are scared to death of a devil that don't even have keys to his own house. My God, Jesus has got keys to death, hell, and the grave. Jesus has got them. And guess what? He, I wish I had about an hour more to preach. Remember when he asked Peter, he asked the disciples, whom do you say that I am? They said all these different ones. Peter said, I'll tell you who I say you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Oh, yeah. And he goes, let me tell you something, Peter, you're the rock. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. We usually stop right there, but it goes on to say, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Oh! 
know whatsoever things you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever things you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God gave us the keys. Changed everything. You'll make the devil mad sometimes when he's just coming against you. Just go grab your keys and shake them. Just shake them and say, devil, you stupid idiot. At least I got keys to my house. See, all of that was going on while his body laid in the tomb. Huh? That's amazing. So let's don't undercut this, the resurrection. Let's don't undercut this weekend. Friday was just the beginning. Stuff was happening on Friday beyond the cross. Stuff was happening because he went immediately. He looked at the thief and said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. So the very first Christian of the new covenant was not a disciple. It was a thief. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. The, come to, I'm talking about the new covenant. The new covenant, the book of Hebrews says, began when he died. When he died and said, it is finished, the first person that accepted him as Messiah after that was the first Christian. And he looked at him and he said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. So when they both died, Jesus died first. And later on, sometime that day or that night, the thief died. And all of a sudden, boop, he pops up into Abraham's bosom. He pops into paradise. And Jesus down there preaching to Moses and David and Adam and all this. And here comes this guy. That, he goes, well, he's just a no-name no guy. And Jesus looks at him and says, come here, buddy. Come here, come here. I'm gonna put, come here. Jesus puts his arm around him and said, I want everybody to know. I want to introduce to you the first believer in something I'm going to call the church. <laughs> changed everything. When Jesus came back from the dead, man, he wasn't finished. It would have been one thing. How many of those it would have still been an awesome story for him to come back from the dead, show himself to Mary, show himself to disciples, and let them write about it and go and be with God. But he said, look, I want to make sure that every skeptic, every king, Every governor, every ruler, every soldier, every Pharisee, every Sadducee, every religious. I want that Caiaphas. I want that Annas that, that, that put me on the cross. I want them to know. I want everybody that cried out crucified. It wasn't a vengeful thing. It was a loving thing. I want them all to know that I hold nothing against them. They didn't do any of this. I planned this out myself. But I want them to know more than anything. Not to believe the conspiracy stories that the soldier stole my body. So what did he do? He did something that nobody would have ever thought to do if they even came, could even come up with this plan. He decided to hang out in a glorified, resurrected body for 40 days. 40 days. What is today? The 12? Have we even been in this pandemic 40 days yet? I don't think we have. I don't even think we've been in it for it. I know we have been in it to stay at home for it. Don't this seem like forever? I mean, my God, it ain't been but just about a month ago that this started getting serious. So take that in your mind and think about, imagine the entire time we've been dealing with this pandemic. Jesus was walking and showing himself alive after they all saw him dead and put in a tomb for three days for longer than that. Jesus wants to quell any attack or any doubt. Come on, y'all hear me. 40 days. 40 days. Hallelujah. Now, I'm messing my media lady up back there, I know. 
Just roll with me. Paul goes on to tell us more about those 40 days. We know he saw so many people. He showed himself to his disciples. But watch what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm coming down off this mountain. 1 Corinthians. You know what I feel? I feel led of God to stop right now and pray against storms. I feel led of God to pray against tornadoes and storms right now all over the south right now. Not just in Alabama, but Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia. Father, right now I come against. Right now I pray on this Easter Sunday. No lives will be taken. No harm to structures. We pray, God, that the storms will settle right now, God. No flooding issues, nothing. This will be a day of peace and this will be a day of resurrection power. This will be a day of celebration, God. This will not be a day of mourning. This will not be a day of loss. We thank you, God. We declare that right now. Praying safety and peace over you that's watching this right now in Jesus' name. Come on, y'all hear me. First Corinthians chapter 15 says this. Paul's talking. He says, for I delivered you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now watch this, verse 5, what, he, what Paul is talking about. This is historical accuracy. He says, he was seen by Cephas, which is Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen, he's just talking about instances, with over 500 brethren at once. So he shows up and he preaches to at least 500 men, plus their wives and children, in a glorified form. Of whom the greater part of that 500, watch this, Remain to the present time. Some have fallen asleep or died. But many that saw him are still alive. In other words, he's saying this to the Corinthian people. If you don't believe me, there's still enough people. This was written several years after even the destruction of the temple. Don't know exactly. I can't think off the top of my head when Corinthians was written. It was written a while later, decades later. But watch this. He says, many of those that were at that meeting when he preached to 500 people in glorified form are still alive, and I can take you to some of them if you want to talk to them. How many of those? That's awesome. This is what Paul is saying. After that, he was seen by James, his brother, and by all of the apostles. Then, last of all, what what Paul says, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Do you know what he was saying? Not during the 40 days. He He said, when I was on the road to Damascus, when I was headed to kill Christians, Jesus came down and met me, knocked me off my high horse and called me to the ministry. And then the Bible says that when Paul, who used to be Saul of Tarsus, became the apostle Paul, was anointed by the Holy Ghost and fire, he set himself apart for three years in a desert and spent personal time with a resurrected Jesus. And Jesus taught him almost the same amount of time that he taught the other disciples three years. That's why he says, I was as one born out of due time. He said, God treated me and talked to me personally as I, if I was one of the original 12. Are y'all hearing me? Are you with me? Luke 24, I'm not going to read it. It tells of a story of a couple of guys walking on a road on the way to a place called Emmaus. Right after the resurrection of Jesus' crucifixion, they're talking about it. They're talking about the rumors that they hear. And I mean, you see this in this pandemic. All it takes is somebody to tweet a rumor and somebody else to repeat it. And then all of a sudden, it gets twisted and everybody's scared to death and it's not even true. 
the truth has been twisted. So the truth had already begun to be twisted. So how's, here's how about this. Here's the part of the reason Jesus showed himself for 40 days. He wanted to make sure the truth didn't get twisted. So he just shows up and starts walking with these guys. Can you imagine? The one that, that created the universe, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's walking with these two guys. They don't even know who he is. And he's, he's asking them questions. Who are you talking about? Well, have you not heard? Have you not heard about what they did to Jesus? Have you not heard about how they crucified Jesus? And some are saying this and some are saying that. And he start, starts, really, really? Well, he starts asking, well, well, you know, what well, the Scripture says. Tell me again what the Scripture says. And they start saying, but we don't understand it. So Jesus starts helping them understand the Scriptures. And then all of a sudden, they look at him and they say, man, you're, you're a cool dude. We're on our way to eat. Could you go eat with us? He says, yeah. So Jesus says, yeah, I'll go eat with you. It's all in your Bible. Jesus shows up, sits down, starts eating with them. They're all talking. They're talking about Jesus, and they don't even know that Jesus is sitting there right with them because he's in glorified form, which means he wasn't glowing. Did y'all hear me? Which means for 40 years he wasn't glowing. I mean, 40 days he wasn't glowing. Our people would look to him and say, dude, are you an angel? No. He was just in glorified form, meaning when we get to heaven and we have our glorified bodies, we're not going to be glowing, y'all. We're gonna, the Bible says we'll be known as we are. We're going to look just like we look, but we're just not going to have death anymore. And Jesus is sitting there, and all of a sudden, Jesus just disappears. Well, how can he do that? He can do that, number one, because he's God, but number two, he's in glorified form. In glorified form, you travel and you, tra- and you transport from one place to the next differently than you do now. We saw what happened when Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, and he was translated from one city to the other, to the other in the spirit. Jesus just disappears. And the Bible says th- these two guys start talking, and they say stuff like this. I know one thing. We know who he is now, but didn't you feel that fire burning within us when we got around him. That's the glory of God. Hallelujah. Now, as I close, I'm going to tell you this. Jesus is very intentional in what he does. Jesus is an intentional God. So during those 40 days, do you think for a moment that he just thought, I'm going to hang out for 40 days and whatever happens, happens? No, he knew what he was doing. And towards the end of those 40 days, and 40 days might not seem like a long time, but think about this pandemic. It's a long time when, when you're not able to do the ritual that you're used to doing. So some of the disciples, including Peter, said, you know what, we need to, we need to probably get back to what we're doing. Let's go fishing. So they go fishing. And while they're fishing one day, just toward the end of the 40 days, they didn't know how long he was going to be here. As far as they thought, you know, he, well, he's back. He's glorified. You know, he might hang out for a couple more years. They didn't know the urgency. They didn't know the timeline. Only Jesus did. Jesus is on the banks, and they can't see him. They're so far away, they can't tell it's him. He yells, you catching anything? They scream back and forth, not catching anything, and I'm not going to preach the story. But Jesus tells them where to cast the net. They catch an abundance of fish, and he says, come on in, come on in. So they come in. And Jesus sits around a campfire with him and eats fish. How cool is that? That Jesus, in glorified form, just sits around a campfire and just starts eating fish. That's just awesome, man. Watch this. The glorified body that he's sitting on the right hand of God in right now 
He sat down with his friends in that glorified body and just ate fish and hung out. And while they're doing that, he just looks over at Peter and he says, Peter, I need to ask you a question. This is during those 40 days. Do you love me? Peter's like, if anybody should have proved to you that they loved him, I think it was me. I cut a guy's ear off of you because I thought he was trying to kill you. Oh, let's don't talk about the rooster. Let's don't talk about the rooster. But, yeah, other than that, I was always there for you, right? Jesus said, do you love me? He says, of course I love you. He said, he just replies so strangely, then feed my sheep. I didn't know you was a shepherd in that sense. I knew you was a shepherd in the spirit. You got sheep? Yeah, I'll feed them. Are they, back, are they back at Mary's house? I'll go back and take care of them. Jesus just. A few minutes later, he says, Peter, Simon. He calls him Simon, actually. Simon. That's very key. Son of Jonah. Do you love me? Of course I love you, Jesus. I just told you. What more do I need to say to you? Well, I need you to take care of my lambs and feed my lambs. Peter starts wondering, what's going on here? What, what, what's, what's wrong with Jesus? This is not like him. He looks at him one more time. He takes a bite of fish. Peter, look at me. Look at me. Do you love me? This is the way I imagine it. This is just my, my imagination. I imagine the, the eyes of Peter welling up. Tears. It's coming. As his mind goes back and he realizes, three times I denied him, and now three times he's asked me the same question. He looks at him. He says it differently with a tear rolling down his face. Jesus, I love you. I give you everything. I walked away from everything for you. I live the rest of my life for you. Whatever you need me to do. That's, that's how the Lord heard it when he said, Jesus, I love you. Because he didn't ask him again. He just said, well, okay. Then feed my sheep. Not long after that, Jesus led him up to a mountain. This is all during the 40 days in resurrected body. He stands on top of that mountain and he says, Listen, I have one more command. Because this the Old Testament was finished on the cross, but it is not finished what I come to do. There's one more thing that has to be done. Gentlemen, ladies, do you remember when I said to you, these shall you do, and greater shall you do if I go to my Father. I took care of the first step, which is your sins. I've already went to my Father with the blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. I went to my Father with your blood. But now, being forgiven is the greatest thing, but it's only the beginning as well of what I want for you. I want you to be my hands. I want you to be my feet. I want you to be my voice. I want you to be my representative, my ambassador here on this earth. 
So here's what I need you to do. I'm going to my father again. This time I'm not coming back in the natural. But I need you to go to Jerusalem. And I need you to wait. And I need you to pray. And I need you to trust me. That when I get to my father at the appointed time, I'm going to send you a gift of my father. And everything truly is going to be changed. What started on the cross moved to the depths of the earth, shook the earth and opened graves. I've walked for 40 days and taught you and showed you the power of my purpose. Now it's all culminated. Because now it's not a new idea to me, but it's a new idea to you, and it's a new idea to the whole earth. Not just Jews, but Jews and Gentiles alike. In a few days, everything's going to change because of what just happened. We're going to start something that's going to change the world. You shall be endued with power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. When Acts chapter 2 happened, he sent his power and he sent his anointing. And God started the church. But without the resurrection, there is no church. Without the cross, there is no church. Without the body of Jesus, there is no church. But there is a church. And I want you to know it is not this building and it is not your church building. It is me and it is you. Everything changed. Give him a shout of praise right now. He changed everything. Now right now, I want everybody in here to help me pray. I know storms are raging on the outside out here, but we're not moved by fear. Right now is the time. I don't think it's by chance that many of you are, have, are being hit by storms at the same time where lives are being changed all over the world. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, accept Him right now. You might want to close your eyes and bow your head. You may want to stand and raise your hands, whatever you want to do. I want you to simply pray this prayer. My amen corner, help me pray. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we acknowledge you, Jesus, as the Savior of the world. You knew no sin, but you became sin, so I might be saved. So I ask you, Lord, because you're the only one that can, will you forgive me of my sins? Wash me clean. Come into my heart and save me now. On Easter Sunday, I surrender my life, and everything has changed. Come on. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to comment, whether it's on YouTube or Facebook, and say, I just got saved, or I was born again, or I just gave my heart to God. Ever how you want to say it, we want to take about three minutes to honor you and to celebrate with you. Come on, let us know. If, you're, if, you are no, if you knew the Lord at one time, but you've come back to Him, you've made a new commitment to God, then just simply type, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. We want to celebrate with you right now. We want to celebrate with you. Can we just praise him? Can we just worship him?